With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and... Go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. All right, Ian, uh, I don't mean to do this to you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with a little bit of math. I was told there would be no math. Yeah, generally speaking, people don't come to me for math, but uh, today, today we're going to. Uh, it has been 43 years, 43 seasons, since the Denver Broncos made it to their first AFC championship game in 1977. In that time, the Broncos have made it to 10 total, including that 1977 AFC championship game. I'm not talking about Super Bowls. I'm talking about AFC championships. Obviously, it gets a little bit different when you go to that. If you average that out, it's 4.3 years or 4.3 seasons between each trip to the AFC championship game. Now, obviously, there were some runs. You had uh, the mid to late 80s runs, 86, 87, 89, 91, 97, 98. You had 05, and then you had 13 and 15. So that... To that uh, 1977 number is kind of a, a bit of an outlier because it's so far away. But what I wanted to point out there was that it was nine years between 86 and 77. In that time frame, a couple of big things happened. Pat Bolin purchased the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos acquired John Elway through a trade with the Baltimore Colts. Kind of a big deal. You then see a pretty steady run of success all the way up until... 2015 when we find ourselves five years beyond that 4.3 season setup of the Denver Broncos being what I would call fairly unsuccessful. That's interesting math because it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's the point I'm making. And I think the other point that I'm making here and the reason I brought it up is in 1983 when the Broncos acquired John Elway and you have Pat Bolin in the mix as the owner, what you had was really a recipe for success. Now it took a while for that to turn into or translate into Super Bowl wins, but it was AFC championships. It was AFC West competitiveness, if not domination. And it does turn into domination. Then you have John Elway and Pat Bolin as owner and GM 
they bring in Peyton Manning. You get two AFC Championship wins, two Super Bowl appearances. You have success with this franchise. One of, if not, I mean, I think obviously there are other teams that have been more successful, especially if you want to include, you know, like the Patriots and things like that. But this is one of the most successful franchises in the last four or five decades. And what we are being fed as fans is the crap that we should be getting if we are fans of a team like the Cleveland Browns or the joke that used to be the New Orleans Saints that is no longer a joke. So it is frustrating to sort of live in that world. And I think the reason that I thought of this and the reason I brought it up, and it's not to go backwards and talk about what happened in the Saints game, but it is to sort of create a reference point of this is what the franchise has become. And it's because of the lack of leadership. It's because of the lack, and quite literally at the top, and we've been talking about it, we've been pounding on it. There's nothing else really to say. And unfortunately, I think the point that I'm really getting at here is that none of this is going to turn around or get fixed because Drew Locke becomes QB of the future or they go and they lose enough games to bring in Trevor Lawrence because none of it's going to matter until there is an actual owner who is taking the lead and driving the boat. That's, That's the bottom line. So none of it matters. None of it matters until someone's in charge. On that front, there was some news made earlier this week when the court case between the Pat Bowen Trust and Beth Bowen Wallace and Amy Kimmer got delayed again to July 12th of 2021. So there's going to be no resolution on the ownership front until at least the summer of 2021. And then that takes into account however long the court case is put forward. And one thing that's going to be interesting is if the judge will allow a sale to happen. Let's say the Pat Bowen Trust doesn't want to go through a court case. Will they be able to sell? Because there are still other members of the Pat Bowen family who remain and have an ownership stake in the Denver Broncos. I don't think the the, the trial judge or the court judge will allow a sale until he renders a verdict in this case. So anyone hoping for the Pat Bowen Trust or Joe Ellis thinking he's going to be able to get out of this by selling the team is probably not going to happen until this judge decides one way or another what the future is of the ownership of the Denver Broncos. So on that that bombshell, on that uh, high note, if you will, it's just it's just fair to say that this is this is the world we live in and it and and that's going to be the way that it is for a while now. We're probably looking at that 9-year period between AFC Championship games at minimum. Uh just the way that it feels and we might be looking at something that's even longer. Like you said, this situation is not going to resolve itself. It's going to have to be resolved by somebody else. It would be in the NFL's best interest, in my opinion, for them to do something that forces the trust's hand, uh, maybe remove the team from their control. I, I don't know what the legal ramifications are or what they're allowed to do, but this has become what I would consider to be an untenable situation. And, and it isn't. Again, it isn't just based off of what happened against the New Orleans Saints and the fact that they were forced to play a football game without a quarterback. That's That's a league issue. That, that goes beyond this. But it does show how important it is to have someone 
who is in the room and make when they're making those kinds of decisions that Roger Goodell is accounted accountable to. At this point, he's not accountable to anybody for the Denver Broncos, so he can do whatever he wants to them. That's that's kind of frustrating. So we're angry as fans. Uh, the, the the team is angry about what happened to them. The league is upset with it. Everybody's angry. Everybody's frustrated. This isn't going to get resolved for a while. And that's, you know, buckle in. Here we go. That's all there is to it. And Chiefs week. Does it have to be? Well, it's on the schedule. Uh, once they make those schedules, they, are, they lock those schedules in. They won't change those schedules. Nothing moves. It just is what it is. This is your schedule. Nothing changes. Wait. Unless you're the Baltimore Ravens. And, uh, or the New England Patriots. Oh, wait a minute. Or the Tennessee Titans. Huh. Interesting. Well, it's Chiefs week. <laughs> What's fascinating is the Broncos have opened as 14-point dogs. Seems low. Tim Lynch was doing some research on this, and he found it. So I'll give him the credit for it. The last time they were 14 or more underdogs, the 2012 playoffs against New England – which is surprising. Tim Tebow was the quarterback, and they were going into Foxborough. That seems low. 1994 against the 49ers, and 92 against the Bills. Yeah, okay. Well. And as I said in my Play Colorado story at playcolorado.com, at this point a win is likely out, although it is 2020, so anything's possible. But can they at least – Keep it in single digits. No. No. I'm no. That what I I feel so bad. What have we ta- ever since we started recording this podcast 286 episodes ago, 285, this is number 286. We have said this all the time. The the worst thing you can see on your schedule as the Denver Broncos is a game at Arrowhead in December. I, I don't especially know. Especially now. Especially especially now. I don't know if you've noticed it's December. Uh, as we sit here and record this, it's December one. Uh, so we've we've reached December, and they're playing at they're playing at Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, it is what it is. They're going to Kansas City. Um, I assume they're going to be able to play the game. I'm assuming everybody will be okay because quarterback tests have come back negative, and everybody seems to be a okay. So that's good. Uh, that's 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 good. I'm glad they're healthy, and they get to go get beat by the Chiefs. What's fascinating about that stat is throughout most of that history, the Chiefs didn't have a quarterback. So, like, they had Lynn Dawson in the 60s, right? Sure, yeah, remember that. And then from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s through 2016, the Chiefs didn't have a quarterback. And they and the Broncos still struggled at Arrowhead Stadium in December. Now... They have Patrick frickin' Mahomes. So it's not just going to be December that the Broncos struggle at Arrowhead Stadium. It's going to be any time they have the misfortune of going into Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah, this is not a, this isn't like a, a recent stat, right? This is just an always stat. And, and you know what? Home field advantage is important in the NFL. The Denver Broncos usually have that. Uh, and you could almost sort of bank on the fact that when teams came to Mile High Stadium, they were going to have to deal with the, being at the, the altitude and, and having to deal with a, a fairly good team. And, and that used to be the way that it is. And, and now, or the way that it was, and now I'm not sure that that's the case, but in Kansas city, it certainly is, especially in December. It's just, it's, it's one of those things where I think as you and I sit here and we record this, is there really any 
I mean, what, what do we know is going to happen? We know that the Broncos are more than likely going to walk out of there with another loss. And, you know, like we said last week, it's, we're still in Effettville. We're still, we're still kind of at that point where it doesn't really matter. All we really want to know is what can Drew Locke do. And, and this is a game where let's see how he does in pretty adverse uh, situation after being forced to miss a game because of mistakes that were made by everybody. Everybody made a mistake in this one. So let's, let's see how he bounces back. Let's see how the team bounces back, I guess is the point, I suppose. And it, what's what's fascinating is the last two times he's played the Chiefs, he's been awful. His first trip into Arrowhead last December, horrible. The last time he played the Chiefs this year, he was horrible. So the bar isn't exactly high when it comes to Drew Locke being good against the Chiefs. I am curious how he's going to respond to to being forced to sit out against the Saints, whether or not that can motivate him, whether or not it can motivate the team. Not that they need any. I, I mean, we haven't mentioned the fact that they have not beat the Chiefs since week two of 2015. Ten straight games. Ten straight. And as Andrew Mason pointed out after the last loss, 43-16, to 16, they're going in the opposite direction of making this close. It's actually widening. So that's why I'm wondering if they can even keep it in single digits. I don't, I'm with you. I don't think they're going to be able to cover. I think the Chiefs are going to easily beat that 14 point spread. I'm just wondering what the team looks like. It's, I mean, and it's a good question because not only is it a situation where obviously we want to see what Drew Locke can do, and that's, that's important. Uh, and and happy for Garrett Bowles. He got his big contract. Hopefully he doesn't let up now that he's got it, although I don't think that he's going to. In fact, he played surprisingly pretty well, I think, uh, against the Saints. I think that was one of those games where you could find pockets of players where you're like, yeah, they did all right. But Philip Lindsay's knocked up. or knocked. Whoa, look out, Philip. Philip Lindsay has a knock on his knee, right? His knee is, is what not is this, quite junior? right. What is this, junior? I know. Jeez. Sorry, y'all. Sorry, Philip. Be careful there, buddy. And <laughs> but he's but he's a little dinged, right? A little banged up. There's literally no way I can say this now without thinking about what I just said. So we're just gonna try and move on because Bryce Callahan is out, not because he's pregnant, but because he's got an injury in his foot, the same foot, mind you, that kept him out all season last year. And it happened in a game that, if we go again, we kind of keep going back to it. It happened in a game where. Should they have played? Should they have not played? I, you can be the judge of that. But it was a game they probably weren't going to win. It ends up being a meaningless game as far as that goes. And you get two players that are integral parts of the offense and defense injured. This is this is what the Broncos are right now. This is this is what we are going to watch on Sunday night uh, on Sunday night football. And when we get to watch Chris Collinsworth drool all over uh, his favorite player in the world, Patrick Mahomes. Slurping. I can I can already hear him slurping. I hope he's wearing a tube sock. Oh, there you go. I I'm still surprised they didn't flex the game. I mean, first off, they give us the Bears and the Packers, and now they're giving us the Broncos and the Chiefs. Division really? rivals. Yeah, division rivals. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> they they liked. I think I, I I'm gonna give my opinion on this. I think they like it when one division rival is just absolutely destroying the other because it goes one of two ways. They get to just slurp all over 
Patrick Mahomes in this case or Aaron Rodgers or whatever it might be and just just dog on the other team or you're surprised you get the shock game where it's close maybe the underdog wins probably not and you get to have that happen when it's a a game between two teams that don't really care about each other and it's just an important game or you know every game in the NFL is important I don't think they're as interested I think they like these kinds of games I think that's why they schedule them and it's why this one is not being flexed out even though it's it's gonna be it's gonna be rough all Despite it being rough, what what are what is your key to the game? Uh, keep your head down. Don't uh, don't say anything stupid, and uh, you know just get out of there as quickly as possible. Although, if you want to get an actual key to the game where they might be able to win, it is imperative that Pat Shermer creates a game plan that puts Drew Locke in a position to be successful. They're going to have to score points. There's no reason to think that the defense is going to be able to hold them to less than 30 points because they haven't they weren't able to do that against the Saints missing Drew Brees when Taysom Hill played horribly. So I have no doubt that the Chiefs are going to score a lot of points. So the offense is going to have to keep up and probably slow the game down. So put Drew Locke in a position to be successful. Put together a game plan that at least allows him the opportunity to show that he can manage a game and, and not just completely throw it away. I guess. The to me, they have to, have, to me, they have to have a fast start. If they come out to a sluggish start, it, it's going to be an even longer day or night than it already has the makings of being. So they have to have a fast start. And I, I get the whole idea that you want to slow the game down, but Patrick Mahomes doesn't need that much time to move up and down the field anyway. So you need, yes, the game plan is imperative, but they have to score touchdowns. I I don't care how they do it. They have to score touchdowns. They have to test the field. They have to test the secondary of the Chiefs. They have to use Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, Tim Patrick. They have to utilize them and test the field. They can't be throwing dump passes. Yes, they sh- they need to throw screens to t- to keep Chris Jones and that Chiefs pass rush off of Drew Locke. But they need to have the ability to test the field, test the secondary. And who knows? Anything's possible. But they need to have a fast start. If they start slow as they are predictably have been doing this season, it'll be over before the end of the first quarter. It's a fair assessment. I, I, you know, I think we're, I think the the other key to this game for, for the fans is to go into it realistically. If you're going to sit down and watch this game, I am, and, and you are, I know for sure that uh, most of the people listening to this podcast will, but if you're going to sit down and watch this game, don't go into it thinking you're going to get a win. Don't, don't throw your, your Broncos Jersey on, don't throw on your Von Miller Jersey and think this is going to help us win, right? This is going to, I got my lucky Jersey on. I ain't going to work. Sorry. It's just not. So, Anyone who still thinks they have a lucky jersey at this point, I, either you haven't been wearing it or it's time to change what jersey you're wearing. Switch it up. It's been five years. It's, it hasn't been working for so long. Maybe it's proven to you that lucky jerseys aren't real. Neither are lucky tube socks. Uh, Unless you're Chris Collinsworth. Are they lucky, though? Are the tube socks lucky? That's the question. So, 
I think the people who have to clean up the press box usually might. I think they probably might be happy that they that he has one. Sure, I think that especially that's... calling a Patrick Mahomes game. Oh, it's just the sounds of slurp. Just don't go into it thinking you're going to watch the Broncos have this miraculous win where they, you know, the, the last time they had a shot at beating the Chiefs was when Case Keenum overthrew Demarius Thomas. And if that doesn't feel like two decades ago right now, I don't know what does because that was forever ago. And they could have won that game had he hit that pass. Although I guess the joke there is that Thomas would have dropped it if it hit him in the hands. or I don't know. I'm sure there's a joke there. Although if it had hit him, he would have caught it and he'd have scored because that guy was – that guy was a game winner. So, you know, it, it don't my key to the game for you as a fan is just 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 chill, you know, drink a beer, relax. Just know that you might want to fall asleep at halftime and that's okay. And then, you know, wake up in the morning and check the score and go to work. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. From a betting perspective, if you're in Colorado or you're in one of the places that has legalized sports betting, so Illinois, Iowa, New Jersey, um Obviously, Colorado. Um, don't bet on this game. I guess the one the one area that you could bet on is the over under because that's probably that. I mean, that literally is the only thing that I would potentially put money on. Maybe if you're doing a, a, a same gay a same day multi game parlay where you're going with heavy favorites. So obviously, you would pick the Chiefs in whatever parlay bet you you put forth, but. It, the only other thing in terms of a betting perspective that you could potentially want to throw money on, aside from prop bets and who's going to score or whatnot, is the over-under. I, I would I would avoid this game like the plague if I was betting on it. Yeah, I I, uh, I will avoid it like the plague if I, if I choose to bet on any games this week. This won't be one of them. I don't usually bet Bronco games anyway, so I'm not too worried about that. Uh, players to watch. You got anybody you're, you you want to pay attention to? Uh, we'll go. Let's go defense first. Just mix it up. I I <laughs> guess Vic Fangio. I is he going to be able to create a system to do something that no defensive coordinator has been able to do since 2015? It's a good question. I like that one. Not a player, but a coach. I'll take it. I'm going to go with a player. Uh, I'm going to say AJ Boye he's struggled this year. He's had moments that where he's been phenomenal and he's had moments where he's really struggled. And, and this game is going to be a difficult task. Tyreek Hill, super fast. Uh, he's, he, he's going to be a problem. You've, you've just got an incredible offense and I'm just, I'm just going to throw AJ Boye out there. He's somebody to watch, especially considering that he's supposed to be that lockdown corner for the Broncos. And sometimes he isn't, you know, sometimes he is, is disappeared. And now, with Bryce Callahan missing time because of his foot, he becomes that much more important. And you can go ahead and you can watch Ojemudier or Isang Bassi, who got his first interception against the Saints. We didn't even get to talk about that. Congratulations to him. And uh, you can you can watch those guys. Watch Justin Simmons. They're fantastic. But I think A.J. Boye is the most interesting in the secondary for sure just because of the struggles he's had. I'd like to think he's going to have at least a decent game, although I'm looking at my notes and it says here probably – not that's a bummer that's a bummer right there so it was a tough word to read all right offense player to watch on offense drew lock i because this is the key to me this is the area that that matters the defense even in that first game against the chiefs was basically able to hold patrick mahomes and that chiefs offense in check the problem is the offense didn't do anything to help him out 
So the only way the defense is going to have an impact is if Drew Locke and the offense has an impact and they're able to score points and they're able to move the ball. If they're not, it doesn't matter what the defense does. So to me, it's on Drew Locke. He has to come out and show that he can compete against a team that he's trying to chase. I'm with you on that. Take, take the next step. Take the next step. Show that you can not only play the position, but you can do it against the best. And the Chiefs take records aside. Obviously, the Steelers are the only unbeaten team left in the NFL. I, I, I don't have any doubt that the Chiefs are the favorites won the Super Bowl. So they're the favorite. Come out and show that you can do it against the favorite, against yeah, I like the that. best. I like that. I'm going to go just in front of Drew Locke, and I'm going to go just the whole offensive line. Uh, you know, again, I'm very happy for Garrett Bowles. I know that if you're a longtime listener, you have heard Ian and I both just absolutely destroy Garrett Bowles and talk about how terrible he is. And, uh, you know, I even floated the idea of switching him to defense because he was never going to learn how to be an offensive lineman. And I am happy to fry up some crow for anybody who wants to come on over and eat it with me because it's going to be delicious, uh, and I'm very happy for him. But that being said, the rest of the offensive line has to follow suit. The rest of the offensive line has to show up. It is insane to think that Drew Locke is going to find any success if the offensive line can't stand up to the Chiefs' defensive line. If he is constantly under duress, he's got too many deficiencies already to have to be worried about running around and trying to save his own life. So, and I'm not blaming the offensive line for him being a bad quarterback. What I'm saying is he's a bad quarterback, so you have to be be more protective of him so that he can start to improve. That's that's really important. And I think one of the things that I noticed as I was watching the Eagles game uh, on uh, Sunday night football in week 12, week 11, where are we? whatever week it was, you know, when the Eagles and the Saints and the Seahawks played, I noticed that Carson Wentz was running for his life at all times. And I think back to the year that they went to the Super Bowl and he was playing at an MVP, MVP caliber for that season. He wasn't running for his life at all times. And so those things that were probably his deficiencies didn't stand out as much. But when you've got a quarterback who has deficiencies, a young quarterback who's struggling to learn the playbook and execute, and now on top of that, you have an offensive line that can't defend or can't protect him, he's, those deficiencies are going to be exponentially exasperated. So it is so important that they give him a little bit of time, that they allow him to just sort of get through his progressions. And I know a lot of you are like, which one? The one progression he has because he doesn't go past it? That's fine. I, whatever. The offensive line's got to protect him so that so that he doesn't have to uh, put his deficiencies on display because that, that is the biggest issue for him. So for me, it's, it's that whole offensive line. They've got to protect Drew Locke just so that we don't have to watch him scramble and panic all the time because he's not very good at that. And the thing is, is that if he has protection, he doesn't get happy feet. Because I think that's one of the things that he's been doing this season where he doesn't trust his line enough and he bails too quickly. Even though the protection might be there, he he's starting to get jittery. So I, that that's where the protection will will help a lot for Drew Locke. And, I, and to just trust his offensive line to do the job. But I also think that's where it's important to have a running game. If the, if the Broncos are able to run the ball, hopefully Phillip Lindsay is able to go. There was an MRI 
on his knee. He was held out of the game. Most people listening to this saw that he was held out for most of the second half with a knee injury. Troy Rank said that the MRI came back negative, so there's good news that it doesn't appear to be anything serious, but we'll know more later in the week. A lot of negative tests in Broncos country. Sorry. Nice. Well played. Except for Bryce Callahan and his foot. Dang it. So, yeah, it'll be – that's important. And I, as you mentioned earlier, so is the game plan from Pat Shermer. Absolutely. All right, we got a pretty. You, you, do you? Do you want, I have a score prediction. I have one. Do you want? Do you want to do a score prediction? I think it'll be similar to the first game, and the first game it was forty three sixteen. Did they already so play? I'll, what? I'll go. I'll go forty one seventeen. Oh, okay. I like that. I actually think they're going to get better, and they're going to. Uh, hold them to 38 points and so it'll be 38 to 16 chiefs that's that that seems likely to me so there's there's your score prediction all right let's take a deep breath let's take a little break when we come back we'll do uh, a look at the rest of the afc west and we will do a whip around the league and uh, then we'll say goodbye Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Ian, let's take a look at the uh, rest of the AFC West couple of games. you got the Raiders at the Jets, and then the Patriots go to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Uh, okay. Well, I think the Patriots obviously win that game. As for the Raiders and the Jets, there's – talk about interesting. We mentioned this on the postgame podcast. Even with a quarterback, the Raiders got blown out – by the Falcons more than the Broncos did to the Saints with Kendall Hinton as their quarterback. So I see this as going two ways. The Jets either get their first win of the season or the Raiders blow them out. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. And I'm I'm leaning more towards uh, the Raiders blowing them out. I, I just – the Jets are so bad. They're so bad. And – there's there's even like talk and you see it every now and then it's it's said sort of tongue in cheek, but it's it's probably not the the Jets are clearly just leaving Adam Gason as the head coach till the end of the season just to almost guarantee that they lose the rest of their games like they just they they just want to lose all of their games I'm not talking about the players right that's not about the players the players are going to go out and play they're going to try they're going to give 100 percent because they want to win but ownership and management has pretty much decided that the the best thing that they can do is lose all their games to guarantee that they get Trevor Lawrence. And so let's just leave Adam Gase in as head coach and lose all of our games and that'll be fine. So I'm thinking blowout in that game. I think the Raiders 
they, they get, you know, yes, they're traveling across the country. Uh, yes, it's a noon game uh, or, or for, for y'all, it's a, an 11 o'clock game there in, in Colorado. But yes, it's a morning game. Uh, it's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the Jets don't want to win. As an organization, the Jets don't want to win. So I think the Raiders are going to walk out of there with a win and, uh, you know, whatever. Like, it's kind of like, that's just what's going to happen. And as far as the Chargers go, I, I am sort of curious to see how does Justin Herbert do against a Bill Belichick defense? The story on Bill Belichick defenses has always been that he causes young quarterbacks to struggle, right? Young quarterbacks are not successful against Bill Belichick defenses. And he, I mean, even Patrick Mahomes has struggled against Bill Belichick's defenses. So, what happens here? Is it a blowout? Do the Patriots just absolutely destroy the Chargers? Or, you know, is the kid actually as good as people say he is when they try and compare him to Drew Locke? And he's like the next, you know, the second coming because that's always what it feels like. So I think I think you're right. Though. I think the, I think the Patriots beat the Chargers. I think the Raiders just, they, they crush the Jets. And they'll probably both prove me wrong. I don't know. Who cares? All right. <laughs> Any other games? Anything else? To me, the game of the weekend is the Rams and the Cardinals because the 49ers, despite all of their injuries, are still somehow in the NFC playoff race, which is just incredible to me. So it's the Rams and the Cardinals to see how Sean McVay and the Rams respond to that loss to the 49ers last week. And then how the 49ers do against the Bills. Yeah, those are those are kind of important games. I like that you had to say uh, games of the weekend because we have the, the Broncos are the last game of the weekend. They're the Sunday night game against the Chiefs. You have two Monday night games. You just talked about one of them. And then the Ravens, who just apparently get to have the schedule completely folded over, torn up, ripped, ripped around and thrown around and tossed around for them. Don't play until Tuesday. Tuesday is when the Ravens play the Cowboys. So it is interesting that you had to say games of the weekend because you get a 4 o'clock game on Monday between the Steelers and the Redskins, or I'm sorry, the, the Washington football team, quarter in the jar, and then a Tuesday game for the Ravens. I, I, <laughs> I Come on. Just, just come on. And then... What will be another game that I keep an eye on is the Saints and the Falcons. Because the Falcons, despite the the sluggish start that got Dan Quinn fired, they've been a very good football team with Raheem Morris as their head coach. So what do they look like against the Saints, who basically had a bye week? Well, not only that, I think the other thing that's that's fair to say, and, and uh, we saw Benjamin Albright tweeted about it, and, and we've talked about it a little bit, that game against the Broncos exposed Taysom Hill for what he is or is not, maybe, which is uh, probably not a, a, a true starting quarterback in the NFL. So I think you're right. And the Falcons might uh, might see that as an opportunity to really make a statement about where they are at in the NFC. Uh, and and that game's important for playoff implications for teams like the Packers, uh, you know, teams like the, the Seahawks, you know, these teams that are fighting for playoff positions. The Saints kind of come back down to earth after a free game against the Broncos. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on there with that particular stuff. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. 
Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.